I'm Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! Yeah! Well, uh, if you've been following along with our with our feed here, then uh, you know what we're up to. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, then welcome to the podcast. Yes, hello, welcome! <laughs> and I hope you're... Uh, Excited to learn about cardamom and eleuthero. And also, if you've been listening forever, mm-hmm. also, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, if you are new, then we've been going uh, down down the, the length of the shelves in our home apothecary and looking at all of the herbs that we keep on the jars ready to hand. These are not all of the herbs in the world. They're not all of the herbs that we have, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have a second stash in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a few things that we have as, like, you know, tinctures or oils or whatever that we don't keep uh, as as dry herbs uh, for, for tea or for various other ready-to-make preparations. Uh, but anyway, these are the ones we're focusing on now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this is still a lot of herbs, and it's pretty exciting to just... Yeah. Uh, every week or every... Every week, some amount of time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know what? That actually reminds me. So you probably have noticed that we've been skipping a week here and there with the podcast. In theory, mm-hmm. this podcast comes out every single weekend, but um, in reality, lately maybe not quite so much. And part of that is because, by hook or by crook, a brand new course is releasing. Um, I thought I was going to get it done tonight, but. Um, it might actually be tomorrow. It is the new free, free for everyone, herbal study tips course. And I'm very excited about it. Yeah. So if you're uh, a little behind on your pods and, uh, you know, come to this, not exactly the day it comes out, it might be ready already. Oh, it's definitely ready already. Yes, we'll yes, yes. It's, it's definitely, <laughs> it's going to be out tomorrow. Yeah. But um, the course includes... Uh, I mean, it does, of course, include herby things because we're herbalists and we can't not talk about plants, but it includes all sorts of ways that we have found working with students over the last couple of decades um, to help you learn more effectively, to retain the information. It is something that we hear all the time from herbal students. Mm-hmm. Like, how will I remember all this? Yeah. Especially because a lot of people come to herbalism a little bit later in life. And so then they think, oh, well, I don't learn as fast as I did when I was young. And I always want to be like, no, you're awesome. You're okay. Your brain still works. It's just there's a lot to learn. Yeah. And- there's also often this feeling of like, oh, I've got to, I've got to memorize stuff. And that means I learned it. Yeah. And, and that's the, the form of learning I need to do uh, and the form of proof of, of having learned <laughs> yes. that I need to be able to express. And let me tell you, that is, that is not a, a major requirement of verbalism. No. <laughs> or like, you know, people who didn't have great experiences in school and haven't found like what really works for them to learn information in a way that's comfortable and kind to themselves. Um, So that's what this course is about, like all of the different tips and tricks and fun activities and ways that we have found to learn the all the material of herbalism in ways that um, really get it to stick in your mind and in your body yeah. and make it more fun. Yeah. I guess this is a little meta, you know, where like, uh, this is about learning how to learn <laughs> or, or about, you know, uh, getting exposed to some more options for ways that you can learn. Yeah. And, yeah. and some of it is even just recognizing things that you may do or you may be doing already and shifting the way you, you attend to them or, or where you put your focus to turn them into learning, right? Every mm-hmm. time you cook, 
every time you spice your food, that's yeah. an option to be, that's an opportunity to be learning more about herbalism. So, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, that course is available to anyone for free, to everyone for free, um, because we know that, of course, we have a lot of students, but also we know that there are herb students all over the place, and we want to share um, what we've come up with so far to help make it easier for everybody. You can find it at online dot commonwealth herbs dot com and if you are one of those people who listens to the podcast right away when it comes out 24 hours i'm telling you it will be out in 24 hours <laughs> all right there we go there we go all right cool so uh let's talk about elitaria and eleutherococcus but first let's remind you that we are not doctors we are herbalists and holistic health educators that's your line. Uh, that, yes, <laughs> the ideas, the ideas that we discuss in this podcast. You know, we do this every week. <laughs> I don't know where my brain was, but it was, I was drinking tea and uh, whatever. Anyway, it's not medical advice, y'all. That's what I'm trying to say. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the U.S. And so these discussions are for educational purposes only. And we want to remind you that good health doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. Good health doesn't exist as an objective standard. It's influenced by your individual needs, experiences, and goals. So keep in mind that we're not attempting to present a single a dogmatic right way that you need to adhere to. Everyone's body is different. So the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some new information to think about and some ideas to research further. Finding your way to better health is both your right and your own personal responsibility. This doesn't mean you're alone on the journey, and it doesn't mean that you're to blame for your current state of health. But it does mean that the final decision when you're considering any course of action, whether that's discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician, is always your choice to make. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe we can convince you to choose to put some cardamom into your next tea blend. Hmm. Uh, actually. Can we? Let's actually, find out. Actually, <laughs> you know what? The tea that we're drinking today, all day I've been like, something's wrong with this tea. Oh. And earlier this morning, I was like, I put too much Tulsi in the tea. I don't know. The flavor's just totally off. And then er, then in the middle of the day, I was like, no, I think I didn't put enough Damiana. <laughs> and that's why the flavor is off. I know why the flavor is off. No cardamom? No cardamom. Yeah. Why, would it, why did I not do that? <laughs> we'll tell them the rest of the ingredients. Okay. So here is what's in this tea. It is pine... Mugwort, juniper, tulsi, damiana, hawthorn berries, and there's supposed to be cardamom in it. <laughs> it's supposed to be there. And honestly, you really can taste that. And I, like right now in this moment is when I realized that's what's missing from this tea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, that's I only ever put in, what, like eight or ten cardamom pods? Well, that's kind of a lot. I mean, if you're making a quart of tea, um, if I'm if I'm setting that up right, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm using our French press and making a quart of tea at a time. I think I default to like four or five cardamom pods. No, that's the same because <laughs> I'm talking about the big air pot, and that it's is like two quarts, yeah, two yeah. and a half quarts, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I tend to put in like eight or ten. Yeah, and that's that's fairly, you know, uh, uh, cardamomy, strong cardamom flavor there. Yeah, but on the other hand, it's like it's not that it's not that much really when you're thinking about two and a half quarts of water. But it, the flavor, having the flavor be missing is just super obvious. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Cardamom is, you know, of course, people know it as a spice. Um, and like other spice herbs, like, say, cinnamon or certainly clove, you know, <laughs> uh, a little bit goes a, goes a long way, right? 
when we're adding clove to things, you know, you you add like one one individual dried clove or maybe two of them f- per quart of water. Even if you make like a like a big pot of chai, you know, you're like, okay, three cloves and I'm done. Cardamom <laughs> right? is not quite that potent, uh, but still, we kind of count them out. You know, when we're adding them to our to our blends, we we grab them. And I should say, when we work with cardamom, we, we almost always go with the green pods. That's what we keep in our jar on the shelf. And then when we take them out of there and we want to put them in the tea blend, we'll put them on the countertop and crush them with our dedicated cardamom crushing stone. <laughs> uh, so if you, you don't have one of these you in your house... You cannot buy these. No, no, you have to find them. This is, you know... Yeah, not available in any store. River stones are really good for this. It is. It is just, honestly, y'all, this got started because um, I used to crush cardamom with the back of a spoon and like... I would put the spoon against the seeds of the cardamom and then push on it with my thumb. And then one day I wanted to put cardamom into the tea and the spoon that we always keep on the work table was not there. I guess we had like it was in the washer. I don't know, whatever. Um, Anyway, it wasn't there, but I had put this rock on the on the counter and I don't know why. And I was like, I don't know, this rock will work. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's just this like palm size, really, really smooth river rock. It's perfect. It's flat. It's like a disc, you know, yeah. but, uh, but you can hold it well and it crushes perfectly. It, it, every time I do it, I, I think of, you know, okay, so it's that t- scene from Harry Potter, right? Where they're like in the, in the potions class and they're supposed to like read the instructions and follow them precisely. And it says like chop with your knife and then the you know snape had written into the margins uh crush with the side of the blade it works better right? <laughs> um, and this feels wow, to me, a really specific memory. yeah really 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 kind of deep cut but this reminds me of that every time i'm like yeah this is way easier than any other tool that i've tried to do this with because even a spoon it might like slip out and out. fly across the room yes it does do that and i was like oh well that's just part of cardamom mm-hmm. no no so okay so what we're saying is go for a walk someplace Ideally with a river, but you know, whatever. Uh, Go for a walk someplace and find a rock that you really like. And that will be your new cardamom crushing stone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And we like that because you do want to expose the the seeds that are inside to get stronger flavor or to get mm, to get more more of the of the aromatics and the pungent elements. Um, Yeah. they're, they're liberated a little bit when you open it up like that. We do like to include the green in the in the formulas, though, or in the tea blends. So rather than just like crushing it and separating out the little brown-black seeds mm. and throwing aside the, the green part, we like to include that. Um, it does add a little bit of astringency uh, extra. Cardamom Which... has some, some astringency of its own, a little bit, but the or, or like say the black seeds have some. But the green part adds a bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, makes me very happy because I do yeah. like that. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very nice uh, feeling, though, from this one. It's yeah. never, it's never like too intensive and astringent to cause gut cramping or anything oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's like that full spectrum of flavor, all the flavors that the cardamom has to offer if you put in all the parts. But if you just leave them all sealed up mm-hmm. without crushing them first... I mean, if if you were decocting it, eventually they would soften enough that. Yeah. But I I think it just you you just release a lot more of the flavor if you crush it. Yeah. You don't have to like crush it to a million bits. Just crush it enough so that each one of them opens, mm-hmm. 
Um, and that, that will do it. The little black seed bits pop out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cardamom is, uh, it's in the Zingiberaceae family, so it's closely related to ginger and turmeric and galangal and, you know, friends like that. Um, and they make, this is one of my favorite uh, herbal families to do a reunion. Weren't we just talking about a... Herbal family reunion? Herbal family reunion. Yeah, because didn't we talk about turmeric recently? Like maybe okay, in the yeah. last episode? Okay, so that was that was exactly what, that was the same yeah. family, yeah. yeah. So, okay, you heard, you heard us talk about it there, but um, I really do like it though. You know, ginger, cardamom... Uh, some turmeric, some galangal if you've got it, grains of paradise if you have those. Yeah, they're all really good together. They have complementary flavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I really like cardamom in blends that are otherwise really green or that are otherwise too bright. Um, and that's what's going on with today's blend. Like, there's not enough to hold it down. You know, like it needs... You had like the turmeric, sorry, the Tulsi and the pine in there for aromatics. Right. And and mm. there's mugwort, but... Mugwort, yeah. Both mugwort and Damiana are, are very aromatic, but they do have a little lower flavor. Yeah, but have... I didn't put enough. Right. Yeah, they have like airy aromatics. <laughs> right, right. Everything, everything in this blend is very airy. And then... Um, I just didn't, the cardamom just gives it a little weight, mm. like um, a weighted blanket, mm. you know, <laughs> it's just, just right. Um, yeah. The perfect comfy quilt. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're right there. It is really great with, um, with aromatic plants, but a, a pretty broad spectrum of them. You know, I remember the first time uh, I had a, a elixir, I think it was, where someone put it together with cardamom and rose. Mm. I'm sure this was one of the uh, King's Road Apothecary yes. specials yes, back I'm in the day, sure. right? Um, but yeah, wow. I I don't know if that would have occurred to me uh, before then, but now when I'm like, oh, put some rose in, I find myself reaching for the cardamom, like, right away. <laughs> I, but it's, you know, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, rose all by itself, okay, well, rose all by itself is pretty delightful, but also it kind of is very lightweight it's like it kind of needs it needs like it's just like a flute all by itself yeah like it needs some bassoon it's making me me wonder what uh we would get if we took some lavender um and put that together with cardamom Hmm, that that would be be really interesting that would be more like bassoon and piccolo okay I mean, just... I, I'm bad at instruments. <laughs> so I know that... Well, I think the piccolo is very high-pitched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, it's the very Tweety Bird okay. one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice. Hmm. Um, other cardamom thoughts. Well... Okay, well, okay. I, actually, I've been talking about weightiness of the cardamom, and I don't want to retract that. I, I'm... I'm solid on that. However, in the body, um, I don't feel that way about cardamom. In the body, cardamom has some stimulation. um, Not stimulation like caffeine. Stimulation like stirring up some movement. Yeah. Maybe not in the same way as cayenne, you know, like. Yeah. Not as intensely as that. Well, I mean, we can start in digestion, right? So, so like other ginger family plants, this is a, a, a carminative herb. Uh, it brings warmth and following the warmth relaxation uh, to the digestive organs. 
so that's really nice and then like like many of those other herbs it's going to kind of spin out from there and affect other systems too get the blood moving a little better mm. um and uh even even into the respiratory system you know cardamom has somewhat of an expectorant quality to it and of course that's going to be most helpful for uh conditions that are phlegmy and wet and mm-hmm. heavy mm-hmm. in that regard uh, because the warmth and the, the aromatic movement of, of cardamom is going to stimulate the lungs and help you to hack that stuff up and out of you. Mm. Yeah. You know, you were saying about digestion, and I think that's why you see cardamom in so many different places. I mean, we've been talking about tea, and listen, it's fantastic in tea. Mm. But cardamom is in all kinds of food, like savory foods, sweet foods, heavy foods, light foods. It's, um, you know, sugary foods, sour. Uh, I don't know. Do we see it in sour foods? Maybe not sour. Maybe that's the only place that you don't see cardamom. <laughs> Got to think about that one for a minute. But in all the other places, um, and especially, uh, I feel like cardamom shows up a lot in foods that have a lot of fat. Mm. You know, whether that is like a a curry that has also a lot of, um, you know, uh, whether it's ghee or, or meat fat or whatever in it, or if it is like a fancy dessert and there's like creamy kinds of fat in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all is, is coming back to that digestive stimulation. And even, even if you want to be very complex about it, Cardamom does have a bitter element to it. It's way under there, but it does have some bitterness. Mm. Um, and and so that stimulation in terms of digestive health is really throughout throughout the complete transit of the of the digestive tract. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're right. It's not really like a bitter on its own, but no. um, I do like it in in bitters preparations. We had one a, a couple of years back that was a pear bitters. And, oh, you know, when we, so when we put a bitter blend together, we'll have, um, whatever the kind of like dominant or, or signature flavor is up top. Uh, and then, uh, you know, obviously the bittering agent of some kind and something pungent or aromatic, uh, and something with a sweetness to it. So in this particular one, the pear was kind of the main flavor and also most of the sweetness was coming from that. I think there might've been a little molasses in there or something. Um, but the cardamom was the primary, uh, like warming, pungent, aromatic, uh, ingredient in there. And yeah, pear and cardamom, that was really, really tasty. It was really good. Mm -hmm. And now I want to make like some very fancy baked pear with like Mm -hmm. raisin and cardamom and like some kind of nuts and yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just try, you know, if you, if you do little baked good things like that and you're used to just putting cinnamon on there alone add cardamom powder or just try the cardamom instead of cinnamon mm-hmm. and see what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what cardamom goes great with is eleuthero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, let's talk about eleuthero. I, I, they don't actually have to go together, but uh, by way of segue, um, eleuthero is, and, and it's almost always referred to as eleuthero these days, um, which is just a shortening of the Latin Eleutherococcus. Um, and that is because it used to be called Siberian ginseng, but 
um, in whatever year that was, 2004 maybe? It was when pre- it was when George W. Bush was 2003 president. or four, yeah, right, yeah. So um, there was like a, <laughs> a part of a farm bill or something. You know, there was a, a piece that was slipped in there and said you're no longer allowed to call Eleutherococcus Siberian ginseng. Um, it's funny because now I've started to see projects or products that have on their label Siberian Eleuthero, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well. Yeah, that's where most of it's grown, so okay. Well, a lot of it is also grown in China. Maybe they're trying to emphasize that it's Siberian grown, or maybe it's just trying to uh, (laughs) call back to the older way of referring to it. Sure. But look, why did they call it that, right? Why was it it, like appealing as a marketer or a a product seller or whatever to be like Siberian ginseng? Uh, well, because ginseng is famous and everybody wants to have the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a this is a longstanding thing. Uh, I, I have a list somewhere of um, ginsengs of the world, you know, like in quoting marks. Because <laughs> you've got your Siberian ginseng, and that's a Luthero. For a while, uh, there was a, a trend of calling ashwagandha Indian ginseng. Um, there's a, a herb from Brazil called suma, and some folks like to call that Brazilian ginseng. I've even heard people refer to maca as Peruvian ginseng. Oh my goodness. And boy, that one's getting far out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of them, like, ginseng is ginseng, and eleuthero is eleuthero. And yes, they do share some qualities, um, but they're all adaptogens. So we could just, if you want to have, like, a common uh, point of reference, then we can just note that they're all adaptogens. Yeah, and I mean, eleuthero was kind of part of the adaptogen story, in a way, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there were some Russian researchers in the 50s, and they were actively looking for alternative plants that would have similar effects to Asian ginseng. Um, and they were looking within the botanical family that it's found in, the Aureliaceae. And they were like, well, we've got this Eleuthero plant. Let's check that out. And so, mm-hmm. you know, did some investigations. And of course, this herb has traditional uh, medicinal uh, ap- applications and all of that. But it was, as far as, as far as most reports on this go, it was a relatively minor herb. Um, <clears throat> but when there was this connection made and this discovery that, yeah, it does improve endurance, that it can help people to deal with cold stress, heat stress, physical work, you know, uh, maintain mental focus, you know, under, under high times of stress or exhaustion. Um, and so then it was like, aha, we've done it. We've got the, we've got the Siberian ginseng now, we're good to go. (laughs) Um, and those, some of those same researchers were the people who came up with this word adaptogen, Mm -hmm. um, uh, rather than, you know, using some of the, say like the the category designations from Chinese medicine, you know, mm-hmm. um, but to create this idea that's that is very general. This is one of the the foundations of the adaptogen idea, right? It's like it, it's not that it improves your capacity to resist one type of stress uh, or to adapt to one particular stressor, but all the different kinds that mm-hmm. one may encounter. This is very uniquely an herb of capitalism. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so I think it's only appropriate that a law was signed due to capitalism. Like, oh, well, we can't call it Siberian ginseng because that's competing with the money that the real ginseng people are making. Like, it's just all mm-hmm. uh, whatever. But that is where that research actually originated was they were looking for ways to make workers more productive. Um, and so that that's that's literally why we have this and they were experimenting on um prisoner populations in siberia in pretty horrific ways and then they continued that in i believe it was auto factory workers 
um, and trying to see, can we get more work out of workers um, by providing them with Eleuthero? And so I think that that part of the story has to be at the top of our mind whenever we're thinking about working with Eleuthero or any of the adaptogens. Not because there's anything wrong with adaptogens, but because the culture that we live in encourages us to um, work with adaptogens or actually use really is the right word here. I try not to talk, I try not to talk about herbs as if, you know, I, I don't want to use the word use because that's a word of exploitation. But in this particular case, uh, both the plant and the worker are being exploited. Um, but so, you know, our culture is just so encouraging us or pressuring us or squeezing us into um, finding ways to do more with less rest, do more with less, you know, recovery time, do more with less resources, do more for less pay, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, in this way, the the adaptogens are often, um, you know, employed or promoted or or even sought out, you know, because you exist within these conditions and have to pay your bills and feed mm-hmm. your kids and all that stuff. Um, right, and I and and so being really clear about that, this is the place that we all find ourselves, and so it is not like any kind of moral failing if you turn to adaptogens to help you get through this place. Right. That is that is reasonable, but just recognizing that it's all tied together, and so fight the system is what I'm trying to say. It's it's, <laughs> it's similar to caffeine in some ways, right? Um, not not that they're having similar or identical effects on your body, um, but I'm just saying that caffeine has that relationship with capitalism also. You mm-hmm. know, yes. having having the the coffee pots in the break room or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and making sure that's always available. Uh, this has long been recognized as a good way to improve worker productivity, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guarantee you there's like Silicon Valley startups that are having their Eleuthero powder uh, sludge that you can drink. Oh, yeah. Uh, put it right in your coffee, put it next to it. And look, honestly, in your coffee is not a bad place to put your adaptogens, um, including Eleuthero, uh, because at least that will add something that uh, is more sustaining than outright stimulating. Right. And to be clear, (laughs) Eleuthero is not the same as caffeine. It is one of the stimulating adaptogens, as opposed to something like Codonopsis or Tulsi. It is one of the stimulating adaptogens, but it it is not going to keep everyone up at night. Some people do find that they're sensitive to it, and if they take it later in the day, it will keep them up. But some people don't have don't find it that stimulating and it really doesn't have the the exact kind of stimulation that caffeine does yeah and there's also really big differences in the way you take it and how it's prepared mm. um so let's say you can work with Luther in lots of different ways you can make a decoction um and you know you can adjust the strength of that just by how much herb you put in and, and all that um but uh you can do that you can make a tincture at home you can do the simplest method but they're going to be fairly mild if mm-hmm. you do that even if you do a weights and measures method with eleuthero if you do your kind of herbal herbalist standard of one to four one to five that's a very mild preparation of this particular herb um which means it's it's going to be more tolerable to take that um later in the day right but if someone has been used to say that preparation 
and they're like, okay, my dose is I take three droppers full, I do it, you know, morning and afternoon, and that makes me feel pretty good. And then they forgot to make some, they run out and they go buy one. Most of the commercially available tinctures are much more powerful than that. They might be one-to-one strength or two-to-one strength. So we're talking like five to ten times more powerful than the one you might make at home. Mm. And uh, with those products, if you were to take that same dose, you might suddenly be like, Either, I feel amazing, I can get so much done today, right? <laughs> or you might also be like, I'm a little anxious and I can't sleep, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is not very comfortable. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, so be be aware of, like, if you if you work with Eleuthero, um, try different preparations to see which ones are, are kind of best for you. And then just be aware of, like, what's the potency factor mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. the one that you are taking. Mm-hmm. I myself really like it best as a decoction. Um, it often ends up in my not coffee blend. Um, actually, there's some in this week's batch of not coffee. And I find that's a pretty balanced way to work with it. First off, I will say that I, I in my own body, feel like a water decoction is mm, the most preferable way to work with it because you do get a lot of the potency that way. But you also get more than just the stimulating action. Um, I, f- I feel like it's a little more complete than a tincture. Mm. Like there's more present than a tincture. Um, and I can't uh, list out the the items at a phytochemical level. I I mean when I say that, that that's what I feel in my body. So yeah, I want to make sure that I specify in terms of solubility, there may not be a huge difference between alcohol solubility and water solubility with Eleuthero, but in mm. terms of how it feels in my body, I do feel a difference. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, you know, to be, to be fair here, there is a place for stronger preparations or yeah. more stimulating, um, you know, preparations or, or doses of, of Eleuthero uh, for the time when, you need to drive a thousand miles today for the time yes. when, uh, you know, you, that example comes up a lot. You need to drive a thousand <laughs> miles today. And that's because there was this time that we were driving cross country to go speak at an herb conference in Colorado. And, um, Rin had to drive a thousand miles straight for reasons. And it was fine, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but you've done it once and that's a very calibrating standard. Just, yeah, now. You're stuck. like, it's, I know what that feels it's like. It's stuck with me. That's real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Well, you know, but that, or, or it's like, I need to stay up. I need to stay watchful. I need to take care of other people. And I'm the one who's on call right now. Mm-hmm. What, whatever these mm-hmm. kinds of situations. Yeah then yeah, that, that boost of energy Luther can give is valuable. And but, in that case, I, I would go with a tincture and like at least a one-to-one tincture mm-hmm. if that's what you want to or need to achieve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, Eleuthero in more moderate doses is, is less of a direct stimulant and more of an herb that helps with sustaining energy generation. Mm. Um, we talk about this as more of a marathon herb than a sprint one yeah. uh, in, that, in that regard. And um, it, it, it's an herb that's helpful if you know that you've got a marathon coming, if you find yourself in the middle of one, or <laughs> if you've just been through one and you need some more help recovering. Yes. <laughs> All of yes. these places are, are times when we would uh, we would think about working with this plant. Yeah. And, and so that's why that ends up in the not coffee so much, because um, it is it is providing that support and there's 
balancing factors in the not coffee as well. Um, you know, there's often Codenopsis in there, which is kind of like the soothing cleanup crew from from any stimulation that you might feel from the Eleuthero. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, you know, there's usually ang- almost always Angelica, which gets that heat and movement going. And mm. there's always Reishi also, you know, different different herbs that are helping at various levels to deal with all the aspects of the stress. Um, so you could have just a Luther all by itself as a strong decoction, as a tincture, as a whatever, but I really do like it with yeah, its whole... Yeah, you're going to want something in there for flavor, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> uh, the Eleuthero, it's not like a bad flavor. It's not a. It's not an aggressive bitter or anything, but it's it's not super tasty. It is kind of bitter. Um, so at least, hey, get some cardamom together with it or some ginger. Um, Chai spices are enough. Yeah, they, yeah go, they go really well. Or yeah, you know, put in a spoon of decaf uh, coffee and, and that'll taste great. I also um, often will put this into formulas that start with... Um, with sassafras and sarsaparilla, mm. a little wintergreen, a little ginger, and that gives it like a root beer flavor. Um, Eleuthero is really good uh, into there, and you'll hardly even notice it flavor-wise, but it does add that um, that that energy maintenance mm-hmm. uh, factor to it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would like to someday eat an Eleuthero berry. They, they look. Are they toxic? I, 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 well, I would have to check first. Uh, yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure that they're food. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And I, I absolutely should have checked beforehand. But uh, the pictures of them make them look like enormous uh, blackberries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? kind of like that. They're, yeah. they're rounder <clears throat> than a blackberry mm-hmm. um, and not always as together. Like sometimes they're, they're like a blackberry that became a firework, mm. you know, like yeah. at, in that just in that moment of all the little bits breaking apart in their little individual blobs <laughs> yeah, um, yeah they look appealing in that way although of course um uh, looking appealing is not always a, a good indicator that a berry is safe to eat so right, right, um, right yes right. we will check on on uh foraging safety before we uh, do that. well you know fortunately it doesn't grow here so <laughs> is, yeah. it is sort of a uh rhetorical hmm. desire um, i kind of wonder if folks up in canada are growing it i feel like maybe robert rogers would know that one yeah um Hmm. I bet they could. Yeah. You know, they are growing, they're growing a bunch of rhodiola there. They're, I, okay, rhodiola also is native in Canada, but they are also intentionally growing it. Hmm. Um, but it would not surprise me if hmm. people were growing it on purpose in Canada. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, uh, so whether you like your Eleuthero with cardamom or all by itself, or like I do in the not coffee, uh, it's definitely worth trying out because the reality is that we do live in this capitalist world and sometimes we need some help to get through the demands that are that are placed on us. Yeah, for real. Yeah. For real. All right. Well, thanks for listening this week, everybody. We'll be back next time. <laughs> <laughs> could be next week. Could be a little bit longer than that, but we'll be back next time with some more Holistic Herbalism podcast for you. Uh, until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Drink some tea. Drink some tea. And find yourself a good cardamom crushing stone. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely do that. Bye. Bye bye.